How do the Red Sox and Blue Jays stack up going into their four-game series? We speak about this on a Locked On Blue Jays, Locked On Red Sox crossover. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Ignazuski. In today's episode, we have a crossover with Locked On Blue Jays to break down and preview the four-game series between each team. We go through the pitching matchups. We look at a potential rivalry brewing between Alec Manoa and Alex Verdugo and much, much more. Let's get into my conversation with Locked On Blue Jays. Okay, there's the record. Let's get that up. All right. Oh, sorry. Let me get that better set up for me. Craig Ballard locked on Blue Jays, joined by Jake Iggy locked on Red Sox. Crossover episode. These are always enjoyable to do. Gives each fan base a glimpse of what to look for and what to expect from their opponents in that upcoming series. And for a lot of these crossover episodes, it's, it's almost want to say a one and done because you you know it's 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 a team that you're playing that three game series, maybe that mm-hmm. four game series, and then you see them maybe again, or you'll see them you know way later in the second half. This is Blue Jays Red Sox. This is different. This is AL East rivals, and and dare I say, and I think Jake's going to touch on this. Dare I say, um, a, a, an actual a real rivalry brewing between these two teams. But uh, but Jake, first and foremost, uh, I want to say hello to you. Want want to thank you for the for the work you're doing on Locked On Red Sox. Anyone out there growing the game of baseball, hey, two thumbs up for me, right? And I certainly want to thank you for taking the time to, to join me today. Let's just start real quick, Jake. With how's everything on your end? I th- I think when you really look at uh, the Red Sox in their April so far, uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. a lot of inconsistency. But going into the season, you know, the Red Sox will slide into, you know, that fourth place sort of spot in the AL East. Right now, they're tied with the Yankees. Definitely didn't expect that. Luckily, when you look on the standings on MLB.com or wherever you look, the Red Sox are above the Yankees. Yeah, that makes it. me love as a Red Sox fan <laughs> happier than if they were below <laughs> them. So, you know, even though they have tied for the same exact record, like the Red Sox are essentially not in last place. The Yankees are, however you want to look at it. Uh, but I think, you know, going into, you know, this month of May, uh, the Sox are getting a lot of guys uh, who were on injury coming back. You know, the rota- the rotation is a little bit of a musical chairs game right now. There's there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, but I think especially with how the schedule is this season, I-, I think it favors the Red Sox in terms of not playing the AL East teams as often because we saw last year they struggled so much being able to tack on the W's against some of the AL East teams. Yeah, now that that's the one thing you, you talk about a, a Yankees Blue Jays rivalry. Well, not when it comes to hatred of the New York Yankees. That's the old yeah. uh, that that handshake emoji, right? There's Yankees and uh, Red Sox and Blue Jay fans with the handshake. Yep. And you're right, Jake. Hey, score one for for uh, for alphabetical order, right? Because yeah. yeah, it's glorious to look and see the Yankees in last place right now. It's glorious to see that. So way to start us off on on a bang there, Jake. I, 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 I like that. I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, Jake, let's get into well, we're going to get into the series specifics in a moment here, but I always like to start with sort of big picture wise. Again, letting mm-hmm. each fan base know what's the other fan base. You know, what kind of team is coming into town here or, or is right. my team about to take on? 
when I think of the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, I truly, truly believe, and, and I, this isn't just me, Jake, with my with my Blue Jay fan hat on. I truly believe they're one of a small amount of teams. A lot of teams have playoffs aspirations. I think the Blue Jays are one of the small amount of teams who have very legitimate World Series or bust aspirations. I, I would think yeah. anything short of even making it to the World Series this season would 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 be would be falling well short. Would not be a great season for the Toronto Blue Jays. On your end, Jake, because all due respect to you and your, and, and your Red Sox, I can't imagine that that's the same in 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 Red Sox. And I can't imagine World Series or bust in 2023 is on your radar, Jake. But what does a successful 2023 look like for you for the Boston Red Sox? So I wanted to touch on real quick with like the, what you said about the Blue Jays. I completely agree. Uh, you know, the the young core that they have and their ability to be able to build a, a very sustainable rotation thus far. You know, we're going to get more into it. Barrios, not, obviously not giving you what you expected him to after getting traded over from Minnesota a few years ago, and especially the amount of money that they gave him. But I think especially from what we've seen from a lot of the prospects coming up, obviously, you know, Vladdy, Bichette, uh, you know, the rest of the core that the team has. I, I think they're one of the most scary offensive teams that there is in the league. And especially as they continue to get more developed and uh, more comfortable in the league, a lot of people forget, isn't Vladdy only like 23 right now? Like, it's it's kind of crazy how young he actually <laughs> is and how he's just kind of getting started. Uh, but, you know, touching on uh, what would be a successful season in my eyes uh, for the Boston Red Sox, it, it's, a, it's a landscape of bright future what are these different pieces going to give to you and what guys are you going to keep to essentially be the core of this next Red Sox World Series team you know last year uh going into the 2023 offseason there was so many question marks there was so many free agents and now it's sort of a point where now let's give the prospects like Tristan Cassis Brian Bayo uh Jaron Duran an opportunity to show that they can have a spot on this future roster of the Boston Red Sox. And you're already starting to see it in the rotation. Tanner Houck getting more of an opportunity in that spot. Garrett Whitlock as well. And then, you know, you also see what you have in Chris Sale coming back, only making 12 Ooh. starts over the last three seasons or so. So I, I think, you know, even though a lot of Red Sox fans don't want to classify this season as a bridge year, it is. It's the reality of the situation. If if you know the team is 500, you know that that is better than a losing record in my mind. I see this team, you know, winning a max 85 games. If they win 90, that's a successful wow. season. If they figure out a way to sneak into the wild card, that's that's a successful season. Um, but you know, at this point, you know, after one month, uh, it's sort of what you expected uh, out of the Boston Red Sox thus far. Jake, I do want to get into uh, the, the today's pitching matchup. You mentioned how he's up against you. Say we'll, we'll get into today's specific pitching matchup in a moment here. But you you brought up something. You brought up Tristan Casas. Now, somebody you know, Jake, is sitting even even as a Blue Jay fan is sitting patiently waiting because somebody you know has him as their first baseman on their fantasy team. Oh, so wow. somebody you know, Jake, is sitting here extremely underwhelmed so far. I thought having this guy, that swing, that bat at, at mm -hmm. Fenway and, and the road ballparks in the AL yep. East, I thought this was going to be a press to print your own money, Jake. I thought this guy was a superstar walking in the door. Now, he just walked in the door, right? He just mm -hmm. I, I do get it, but there's no way you can be happy with what you've seen so far, Jake. What, what is going on with Tristan Casas, and, and what do you see from him going forward? That was bold for you to make him your first baseman, if I'm being honest with you, because <laughs> – uh, 
I mean, I, I, I expected him to sort of, sort of struggle to start off. I, I believe his average uh, in his small stint last season was around 230. And, uh, you know, he, he is an on-base first type of hitter. You know, he, he's very patient at the plate. You know, he's not, you know, your general first baseman who goes up there is, is going to hit a low average and hit 40 bombs. You know, he's going to give you around 25 to 20 bombs and, you know, he'll, he'll probably hit, you know, 270, 300 at his best. And uh, obviously he's not showing that right now. And I think it sort of just goes to uh, what what most rookies struggle with getting into the league, understanding, you know, major league competition type of pitching uh, and being able to get comfortable uh, in, in, in this new sort of role of, of being a major league professional baseball player. You're not in AAA anymore. You're not in Portland or Worcester anymore. And, you know, from everything that I've seen from Tristan Cassis, I had the opportunity to speak with him twice last year. He's the most confident prospect I've ever seen. Oh. Uh, and, you know, Ian Brown said he's the most uh, confident Red Sox prospect that he's seen come up through the system since Dustin Bedroya. And that's telling you something. And so, you know, the confidence is definitely there. The ability to be himself, the mental aspect, which a lot of guys have to overcome. A guy like Jaron Duran really had to overcome when he first came up for the Red Very Sox. Cool. Yep. And so I think with Cassis, uh, it, it's just a waiting game for him just to get into a groove. You know, our, we're already starting to see it with Christian Arroyo thus far, really struggled to begin the season with, for the Red Sox. Now he's hitting over 500 over the last seven or eight games. So guys just need to get into a groove. And I think, um, you know, this isn't super uncharacteristic for a rookie like Cassis, yeah. but you definitely expected more. Well, Jake, I mean, if, if I could ask a personal favor, because I wouldn't mind the groove, right? I need him. To, but if that groove could could happen as of Friday, that would be appreciated. Yeah. Okay. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Craig of Locked On Blue Jays, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about game time. So whether you're looking for last-minute tickets for games, Red Sox games specifically, or concerts, you know, different events, game time is the best spot to buy your tickets, not only whenever you want to, but also last minute as well. They have killer deals, best price guaranteed, so you can stop stressing over high price tickets and you can wait till the last minute and get really cheap seats and flash deals over on game time. The also best part about this app is that they give you a view from your seats. A lot of times when you get Fenway Park tickets, there's obstructed views. You don't really know exactly what seat you're going to get and the view that you're going to be paying for. Game time gives you ability to do that. Also, you don't have to dig through your email for the tickets. They send it directly to your email to make it super easy and make the ticket buying process as stressless as possible. So snag your tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On MLB for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And I also want to talk to you about So Rare. So this is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 major league teams. It's unlike any other fantasy baseball platform because you truly own your fantasy experience by buying, collecting, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or loss, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and assessing new level competitions and rewards. Another great part about So Rare is that they're partnering with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors. So they'll be featured on multiple MLB events 
and with the community throughout the season. So head over to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. Now let's get back into my conversation with Craig of Locked On Blue Jays. <laughs> Craig Ballard of Locked On Blue Jays here with Jake Giggy from Locked On Red Sox. Tonight's matchup, you say Kikuchi, Tanner Houck. You say 4-0 for the Blue Jays. ERA sitting right at 3. The Jays have won all five of his starts. His fastball continues to be a little bit hit or miss. I would say that the fastball continues to be a bit of an issue. He's throwing a, a different... Uh, off-speed pitch this season. Kevin Gosman characterized it as a curve slider-ish pitch. Mm -hmm. So even a veteran like Kevin Gosman can't really pinpoint what it is. That's the sort of movement it has. It's doing well for him. You say he's always been a guy that's going to get a strikeout you know, per inning pitch in his career. He, he's always been a strikeout guy. But this season, the walks are way down. And what's the, the home runs are still there, Jake. But the thing is, with you say what we've seen in the past, it's always a two or a three-run home run. So it's always a crooked number in, on one pitch going on the board for the opposition. This season, Kikuchi has been excellent at limiting the damage. Most of the home runs have been solo home runs. Hmm. And when you look at him in, against this specific Red Sox lineup, so, some notable Red Sox hitters, Justin Turner, 0 for 5 career versus Kikuchi. Arroyo, you mentioned Arroyo, 0 for 5 against Kikuchi. You'd mentioned Devers earlier, 0 for 7 against Kikuchi. So that's 0 for 17 with eight strikeouts for those three prominent Red Sox hitters. Now, Alex Verdugo, worth mentioning, I know he's a four-letter word around my parts in Blue Jay land. I know, I know, there's a rivalry, I know. But he's hit Kikuchi very well. And the Boston Red Sox are one of, if not the best, at least one of the best teams so far this season against lefties. Your Red Sox have faced a lefty 11 times so far this season. You, you've won seven of those games. I mean, that's going to work. Uh, we'll get to the Tanner Houck aspect in a moment here, but what are you looking for out of Kikuchi uh, tonight, Jake? Who's a Red Sox batter that you're saying, Craig, I hear you, and Kikuchi's been better than before. I get it. But here's the guy to be careful with tonight in the Red Sox lineup against Kikuchi. So I, I when I when I you know see and hear what what you're saying with Kikuchi so far this season, it's it's intriguing because I think what I've seen from him when he was with Seattle, you know, during his you know first season with the Blue Jays, sort of reminds me of a guy like Nick Pavetta, who you know he's going to go out there and probably let up like two to two to three runs every start, or he'll shove, and you know it's it's sort of on or off, a little bit of some inconsistency, mm -hmm. and and you know I I feel like. With Kikuchi, at least looking at, at it last year, you knew what you had with him each and every single start. Like it wasn't going to surprise you out of nowhere if you know he allowed two or three runs. Same with Nick Pavetta as well. Obviously, we'll get to him uh, in the next game. But in in terms of what you said about what hitters to look out for, Alex Verdugo. You know he he's been on a roll so far this season. Uh, you know he has continuously found ways to come up clutch. Uh, has has the most uh, you know walk offs. Uh, for the Red Sox over the last four years or so, already has two wow. so far this season. Uh, and you know, as you said, you know, there's there's already a rivalry brewing between Verdugo <laughs> and the Blue Jays, and I I think he fuels off of that. And uh, you know, I I think he's going to use it to his advantage throughout the throughout the series. Correct me here, Nick. I, I know he's he's definitely been your best hitter, Verdugo. No no doubt about that. I mean, you, you cannot like a player, right, Nick? But there's a, guys, people like us. I mean, we we still pride ourselves on calling it the way we see it, right? right? I don't like Alex Verdugo, but what's been in front of me in my face? He's having a very good season. I think he's your only hitter north of 300. Am I right about that, Nick? 
I believe so. Yeah. So, yeah, no, he's off to a very good, very good start. Yes. Tanner Houck is a guy that I really like. You probably don't know anyone, Jake, in a different fan base that is as as big a fan of Tanner Houck as I I think he's awesome. Really? I don't understand. Every single game I feel like I watch, I feel like he's awesome. And all of a sudden in the fourth or the fifth inning, he's out of the I, I don't know why he never has the Red Sox never give him any sort of longevity. I, I mean, I'm sure they know what they're doing with that, but. But three and one on the season. Now, when I look at the surface, his ERA is four and a half. That does not seem Tanner. Tanner Houck to me seems like a walking threes ERA. Like his ERA should be in the threes, period. So I'm very surprised to see that. Last time out against Baltimore uh, was a decent start, I guess, but have to say it was his worst start of the season and the only start of the season that the Red Sox lost. Uh, George Springer is is a matchup that, that I'm really looking at in this game as, or sorry, um, Houck has owned George Springer. Now, Bo and Vlad ha have hit him well. This is his fifth game versus the Blue Jays. And what I find interesting, and maybe part of why I like this guy so much, Jake, is he's never given up a home run to the Blue Jays. And this season, I don't even think he's given up a home run to righties. I'm a big fan of this guy. I like his mix. Uh, I, I like his his uh, his pitch mix. Uh, I I'm a big fan of his. I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned, Jake. And a lot of Blue Jay fans will be sitting there saying, Craig, 4.5 ERA, our, our batters mash at, at Fenway Park. Hey, no need to be concerned. But I'll tell you, I am. What are you looking for tonight in Tanner Houck? So I, I, th I think your listeners might laugh at this a little bit. You're you're a little bit more positive about him than I am. Okay. You know, <laughs> funny enough, I actually said at the beginning of the season, uh, he's not a starting pitcher. In my mind, oh. he hasn't been able to give you the amount of innings to show that he is a viable and, and productive starting pitcher. A lot of the times when he gets the second time around the order, guys start to mash off of him. Guys start to, you know, read what he's, you know, thrown to them in, in the upper bat before. And so when you really look at it, uh, you know, going into the season, led, led you know, spring training is obviously spring training, but he led the majors in home runs allowed in spring training. He allowed, uh, I believe, over 20 earned runs uh, in, in four starts during spring training. And so in my mind, you know, those those stats speak for itself. Obviously, once you get across you know the 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 white lines into regular season play, it's a whole different ball game. And and he's been the best starter in the rotation for the Red Sox thus far uh in the regular season. And you know, I, I gave him his flowers last week after you know he 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 gave the Red Sox consistent uh you know quality starts and 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 looked a lot better than he you know at least did last year as a starter. But you know, he's a guy who I, I see him a lot more effective out of the bullpen when he was, you know, a multi-inning reliever last year, as well as a closer. He was locked down. And, you know, the one thing that I don't like that the Red Sox have done specifically with Hauk is putting him back and forth and, you know, mm. just filling him in, uh, you know, when they do need rotation help, like they did at the beginning of this season. But when you think about it to last season, he got kicked out of the rotation after he couldn't travel to Toronto due, due to vaccine issues. And that's when, Garrett Whitlock got his opportunity in the rotation and how he was put it into the bullpen. And uh, I, I think when you look at him this season against the Blue Jays, you know, he's coming off of that rough start, but you know, you semi like know what you're going to get from him as well. He's similar to Kikuchi where, you know, he'll probably allow one to three runs each and every single start. And, you know, he, he's going to give you, uh, you know, cons consistent control and he's also going to get ground ball outs. You know, that's one thing that he's, you know, done a lot better this season compared to last season uh, in doing. And, you know, his last start against the Blue Jays, five innings pitched, allowed two earned runs, three strikeouts at the beginning of last season. So uh, I I'm excited to see what he brings you. Uh, but I think that this is going to be a very close game uh, for game two. And, you know, one thing that I haven't mentioned yet, 
the Red Sox and Blue Jays are tied right now in seventh in the MLB with 109 weighted runs created plus. So this is going to be a very offensive type of series. Yeah, absolutely. This is why I love these episodes. So first of all, you talk about the offensive series. I, I touched on that a lot in the Monday episode. I mean, there is a laundry list of Toronto Blue Jays who bang at Fenway Park. I know you're sitting there saying, Jake, hey, join, join the list. A lot of people bang at Fenway. I, I know, I know, but the, but, but the Blue Jays are certainly amongst them. And and I say, this is why I say I love doing these crossover episodes. I tell you, I'm, I'm a Tanner Houck believer and a fan and i'm always sitting there saying why don't the red Sox give him more of a rope then we get an expert like you on saying well greg hey that's not on the red Sox. that's actually on tanner hauk the second and third time through he's actually been a nightmare so great insight yeah. there nick well, uh, Jake, well, well, one that. other yeah. thing that i want to mention too yeah. is what, what's the first thing that i said to you right when we got on i said i saw the encarnacion jersey behind yeah. you and i said he mashed at fenway park he would at least hit two to three home runs every single time he went there he, the, the the parrot was always in, in his travel ensemble uh, when he when he came to Fenway. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I didn't know that that's why he did that. I always do remember him going like that when he was right around. That's funny. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Craig of Lockdown Blue Jays, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about better help. So I don't know about you, but we talked about mental health a lot on this podcast and being able to go through that self-discovery process to make yourself 1% better each and every single day. And I don't know about you and your experience with therapy, but therapy has been an instrumental part about me learning about who I authentically am and figuring out why I react to certain situations and, and really being able to give me an outlet outside of just friends or family to be able to get opinions on different situations in life and, and how to better myself each and every single day. And therapy is something that can be stressful to not only find a therapist, but also be able to have it fit within your schedule. And with BetterHelp, they find flexible and suited appointments to your schedule and it's designed entirely online. So you don't have to worry about going into an office or finding a therapist or a person that is close to where you live. And you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime, no additional charge. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash locked on now let's get back into my conversation with craig of locked on blue jays craig ballard locked on blue jays here with jake iggy locked on red Sox. we are into wednesday's blue jays red Sox game we've got a bit of a game here we've got a bit of a doozy here and this isn't one that's just on paper we're talking because rivalries are brewing between these two teams Alec Manoa versus Nick Pavetta. Jake, this is already a game that I would have a circle highlighted. This is already one that I would think could have some great drama because Nick Pavetta is some CanCon. He's Canadian content, right? He's one of our own. Alec Manoa is, is a superstar and a hero in, in this country already. So I think the storylines would write themselves you know, period. But the, I mean, especially now we'll get into Manoa versus Verdugo in just a moment here, but just, just to set the stage, uh, Alec Manoa, you know, one and one on the season ERA, just under five. Mm -mm. His best starts this season uh, have been where he's grinded out the starts. He's had a couple of those. He's not had anything close to his 2022 a game on display just yet. Uh, Overall for Manoa, this will be his third start at Fenway. His first two, he pitched very, very well. 
the the big difference this season with with Alec Manoa has has been the location and in particular his effect of, of all his pitches and in particular his effectiveness against righties. Uh, I want to say he hit I think it was 156. I think righties hit 156 against Manoa last season. It's either 156 or 159. I mean either way, Jake, complete domination, right? This season opponents are hitting a full hundred points higher than that, and. You talk about the the Alex Verdugo aspect of things. Alex Verdugo has, oh, and, and Blue Jay fans are going to get upset with me here, but well, I mean, you have to call it the way we see it. Alex right. Verdugo has owned Alec Manoa, seven for 16, two doubles and a home run. Now, the good news is the rest of the Red Sox combined six for 42. Manoa's dominated the rest of the Red Sox. But again, if we're having an open, honest conversation, Jake, that was a lot of 2021 and 2022 when Manoa had his A stuff. We haven't seen that on display yet in 2023. So we'll get to Nick Pavetta, some CanCon, right? So it's always always easy to cheer for Nick Pavetta, even though he's a Red Sox still. But we'll get to that aspect in a moment here. But when you think Alec Manoa tonight, what are you concerned about? What are you looking for? And then when you think Alec Manoa and Alex Verdugo, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I bet you guys love to root for Nick Pavetta because you smack all over him. That's why. But it, it we'll, actually we'll get to, true. But okay, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that in a sec. But you know, Alec Manoa and uh, Alex Verdugo. I, I think this is a matchup that everybody's excited to see. Uh, not only you know between our two fan bases, but just in the MLB. And you know, I, I think you're you're going to see some stare downs. You're going to see some yapping <laughs> at each other, and that's that's what we love. That's what we love as fans. It, it brings more the intensity to the watching experience. And I feel like, you know, I would love to see uh, whether it's Verdugo hitting a home run off of Manoa and he flips his bat and he's yapping at him while he's walking to first base or Manoa strikes out Verdugo and they're yapping at each other while they're both walking off the field. Either one of those, that would be primetime TV. And I, I think one thing that, you know, you think about for, for Blue Jays fans who are like, who is this Alex Verdugo guy? talking crap to Alec Manoa when he hasn't even done anything since he cracked into Boston, getting traded for a guy who was classified as one of the greatest Red Sox prospects mm. to ever break through the system and somebody who's one of, you know, top five players, especially when he got traded over to the Los Angeles Dodgers and Mookie yeah. Betts. But for Verdugo, you know, he, he has the stats to back up his talk this year. And I, I think with him, you know, he's one of the only – outspoken guys on this Red Sox team. I guess you could also say maybe Kike Hernandez. Uh, but you don't see a lot of other guys like go out into the media and call people out. And I think, uh, you know, he wouldn't have brought up uh, this aspect of emotion that he didn't like if it wasn't something that, you know, he, he's been keeping in for a little bit. You know, he brought up how Manoa was yapping at Bobby Dalback and Frenchy Cordero and telling them to sit their butts down uh, instead of just walking back to the dugout. And, you know, I, I think you could bring it up with with bat flips for hitters as well. Like there's two different ways of showing emotion uh, in sports. And that's essentially what the episode was on. And Rob Bradford's uh, Baseball Isn't Boring uh, episode when he had Alex Verdugo on. And so I think with that aspect, it just adds even more fuel to the fire to why to be why you should be excited about this series. And uh, I, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch to see what both players bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't turn the TV, even if it's 10 to 2, you can't turn the TV on. No lead is safe at Fenway Park, but under any circumstances, right, when these two get together, no matter what's mm -hmm. happening in the game, it's its own subplot, right? It's it's right. musty. I'm sure they'll face each other at least twice, hopefully a, a third time as well. Yeah, it should be it should be very entertaining, uh, Jake. I'm, I'm right there with you. 
Now, you mentioned Nick Pavetta and you mentioned how the Jays have done against them. It's what's really interesting to me is is the the sort of ups and downs, the 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 feast or famine. So you have the top of the lineup. You have Springer and Bo absolutely owned Nick Pavetta. Now, the next two batters, Vlad and Chapman, advantage Pavetta. Pavetta's done very well against both of them. Hmm. You're probably going to see Witt and Kirk in the five and six. Now we're back to advantage Blue Jays. They've hammered <laughs> Pavetta. And, and I do think that the Blue Jays will find a way to get Kevin Biggio in the game today as, as he's five for 14 with a double and two home runs in his career against Nick Pavetta. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, when I've seen Pavetta this season, it really seems like uh, there's a lot more fly balls than I'm used to seeing. I'll say that. And and I really see his, uh, I'm hoping the Blue Jays really pick on that slider. feels like his slider is being dealt with. Uh, what are you looking for tonight in Nick Pavetta? What does he have to do uh, to be successful in this game tonight, in, in this emotion-packed game tonight? He's got to keep the ball on the ground. I, I, I think, you know, his, his uh, ineffectiveness to uh, keep balls, at least out of play or, or in terms of, you know, getting people on base. Uh, you know, he doesn't walk a lot of people, but he does allow a lot, a lot of hits. And that usually stacks up to, you know, adding runs on the board as well. You know, there's a lot of times where, uh, you know, with Nick Pavetta, he reminds me a lot of an Edward Rodriguez when he was on the Red Sox. I always make that comparison because he'll go out there and give you a game where it's a two hitter, he'll strike out eight, and then the next game he'll allow five. And then it's a back and forth just like that. Or sometimes he'll just have a stretch of five stars in a row where, you know, he, he blows up the game, allows, you know, three to five runs or so. But he's right now a guy, you know, this is this is a storyline to keep an eye on. He's a guy who's fighting for a roster spot or a rotation spot. Wow. And, you know, I, I think especially from what you know Red Sox fans have heard from him when the you know murmurs of him going to the bullpen have come up. He's been very snippy, snappy to media when that gets brought up. Oh, wow. And he's also been very uh, s- sort of beating his fist down on the table of I am going to be in the rotation. Just sort of he, he has no um, you know, no willingness, it seems like, to want to go into the bullpen or allow his his rotation spot, even though he's been with the team for three years now and has had practically identical ERAs all throughout those last three yeah. years without absolutely barely any improvement whatsoever. And so I, I think that's a component to look towards because, you know, even though Garrett Whitlock is probably going to be out for, you know, two turns through the rotation, James Paxton's on his way up. And, you know, once Paxton comes up, you know, you got to make a decision. Are you going to keep Hauk in the bullpen or are you going to keep Nick Pavetta in the bullpen? And so that's a really interesting storyline to look at. And so I think he's going to be pitching with a lot more motivation um, in, in this series, especially going against AL East teams. He got killed against AL East teams all throughout last season. Uh, and, you know, the the figure that, you know, I was referring to when I said, you know, the Blue Jays mash him, he had a 595 ERA against the Blue Jays in four starts last year. And, Goodness. you know, that – that's just one thing that uh, it's really tough to swallow. And, and it's really kind of crazy because, like I said, AOE's killed him last year, but every other team that he faced last year, he did relatively all right. But, um, you know, with Nick Pavetta going to be coming out with a different vengeance this this game because he's got to show that he deserves to stay in the rotation. How about, uh, Jake, how about you, you laying out for us that uh, Nick Pavetta bucking the trend of, of your uh, of your of your typical a uh, polite, uh, a nice uh, Canadian. You're telling me that you're hearing a lot of uh, actual downright pushback from from him in the media. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit. And you know, he he's he's um you know he 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 said that 
you know, he wants to stay in that rotation and, you know, he, he's not super open to going into the bullpen. And, you know, he did have a bullpen role in the, in the 2021 playoffs and was very effective in that role. And, you know, I think for him, you know, you're not paying him a lot of money and, you know, he he's in arbitration for, I believe, two more seasons with the Red Sox. And so it's sort of a situation kind of like I spoke about when you asked me about what the landscape of this team is right now, you got to figure out if Nick Pavetta is a future part of your franchise and if you're going to trade him or if you're going to put him as, as a bullpen piece. And so I think, you know, we could potentially see that, you know, if, if they want to see what do we have in Nick Pavetta as a multi-inning reliever, you know, time will come in the next few weeks. Kevin Gosman, Brian Bayo. Uh, I mean, on on the surface, this this looks like night and day. You've got a, a, a veteran in Gosman who is just blowing doors off of things right now. And and Bayo, uh, he's off to a very slow start. But I mean, worth noting, he's he's just walking in the door. Uh, when you look at Gosman on the surface, you see that two and two record. That's not going to overwhelm you. That two point three three ERA. That that's going to be impressive. Yes, but what I really want to highlight here, Jake, a few things. Blue Jays four and one. In Gosman starts, the only loss was a start at Houston. And in that start at Houston, Jake Gosman was touched for seven earned runs in the first inning. Wow. Everything he threw up there, even the outs, were hit very, very, very hard. Want to mention in the 37 and two-third innings outside of that one inning, Jake, 37 and two-third innings, three earned runs. Three earned runs. Kevin Gosman has been awesome. His last time out, Jake, he generated 20 swings and misses on his splitter alone. I'm going to say that again, Jake. Last time out, we saw, I've never seen that before, 20 swings and misses in one game on that splitter. Now, in particular in this game, you know, of course, from their days in the NL West, Justin Turner has a lot of experience against Gosman and has hit Gosman very well. He's the only Red Sox that's ever homered uh, off Gosman. He, he's done it a couple times. Now, finally, we have a Toronto Blue Jay pitcher who has owned Verdugo in the past. Verdugo just won for 11. Rob Riefschneider somehow, you have to explain this to me, Jake. Rob Riefschneider, who I feel is one of the worst hitters I've ever seen. Somehow he's hit well against Gosman. You'll, you'll, you'll have to explain that to me. But uh, Kiki Hernandez, one for 10 with five strikeouts. Oh boy. Uh, our, our old friend Reese McGuire is three for four. He's hit, he's hit Gosman well. Now, in his past at Fenway Park, Gosman has been decent at best. It's, it's been very middle of the, of the pack. But I, I will submit to you, Jake, that this animal, this Kevin Gosman, has never taken the mound against the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. I'm very excited uh, about, and to be totally honest with you, any Gosman start these days. But I'm very excited about this start for Gosman. From, from someone on the outside looking in, Jake, what have your thoughts been about Kevin Gosman? What are you looking for in tonight's game? Who's a Red Sox or two that you're sitting there saying, hey, these are the guys that need to do the heavy lifting tonight against a stud like Gosman. So, you know, looking at Gosman, it really is interesting seeing how much he's grown since his times with Baltimore. You know, yeah. obviously played a lot against the Red Sox uh, during his first few seasons in the league with the Orioles. But now, you know, you brought up Cassis being on your fantasy team. Gosman's on my fantasy team. Right. <laughs> seeing him have 13 strikeouts and 11 in his last start and you know, 11 against New York. Uh, you know, that was very nice to see. He, I think he gave me like 40 or 50 points. Anytime a starting pitcher can give you that in fantasy That'll baseball, <laughs> you'll be very happy. Uh, but, you know, especially with that strikeout stuff that he has, and you know, you also brought up, um, you know, his ability to get swings and misses. Luckily, this is a Red Sox team that hasn't struck an out a lot mm -hmm. compared to what they did last season. Um, you know, last year struck out 22 uh, 0.2 percent of the time and then you know when you look at uh you know 2023 as well you know it, it's something where you're seeing a lot more 
plate patience from a lot of these different guys. I feel like, you know, that's one thing that the Red Sox did a lot last year. You saw a lot of strikeouts. You saw a lot of swings and misses. Now they're drawing a lot more walks than they did before. Uh, and, you know, now have a 20.2% uh, K, K percentage. And, you know, I, I think that really bodes well for this Red Sox team, finding ways to get ducks on the pond against Gosman, who's been so effective over these last few starts. And, you know, also being able to put pressure on him because, you know, you brought it up, you know, this new Kevin Gosman hasn't had tons of experience or really any experience at Fenway Park, uh, at least with the Blue Jays. And then, you know, just the add-on aspect of the so the Sox are are hot right now at Fenway Park. You know they've played at this park a lot recently, and so obviously have been able to learn ways to take advantage of it. You know we saw Alex Verdugo multiple times has just wrapped the ball right right uh, around the pesky pole for a nice short home run at the you know a hundred and twenty-five feet or three hundred and twenty-five feet. But you know I I think that's the key for them. I hope that you did enjoy this crossover with Locked On Blue Jays and got a little bit of insight and some excitement going into this Red Sox Blue Jays series. And I kind of want to hear your thoughts, whether it's in the comments on YouTube or over on Twitter. Do the Red Sox and Blue Jays have a rivalry? That's one thing that throughout this conversation I, I just kept on thinking about because, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees, they obviously have their long story rivalry. The Rays and Red Sox kind of have a little bit of bad blood. But, I mean, now that the Sox and Blue Jays uh, – are, are playing each other not only a lot more often, but it's a lot more competitive than it usually is. I think that we could see a rivalry brewing, not only with what Manoa and Verdugo had fueled up earlier this season, but very excited to see how this whole series plays out. But I greatly appreciate you making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now, for my everydayers, tomorrow on the show, Lauren is going to officially be back. We're going to be breaking down what happened in game one of the Blue Jays series. We're going to continue to keep you posted about everything that is happening regarding the Boston Red Sox. So make sure to subscribe over on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear episodes five days a week. We also have tons of different guests on. If you look all throughout last week, we had guests from you know Red Sox Twitter. You know, we have players on as well. So if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe. Also follow us over there on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Follow myself. It's at Jake Iggy. And also Lauren. It's La La La. Three Laws. Lauren with four R's. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in to the Lockdown Red Sox podcast. We hope that everybody has a great rest of your day. And we'll end this episode how we always end it. Keep the faith, stay positive, and let's go Sox. Peace.